0: Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and welcome to The Chosen People. Well, in honor of that very special day, Valentine's Day on Monday, we're going to be taking a look at the first of the fruit of the Spirit, which is, of course, love. And we're going to look at it from a biblical point of view. And joining me is my good friend and colleague, Bobby Walter, who uh, loves his wife, his kids, his Lord, his work, and his dog, Hazel. So welcome, Bobby. Thank you, Mitch. And uh, shalom and welcome, everyone.
1: So, Mitch, yeah, as you said, this Monday coming up is Valentine's Day, and a lot of people think that love is like what we see in the movies, but really what we want to do today is kind of try to take a biblical look at this, and when we dig into our study today, we'll see that true love is more about action and less about
0: feelings or emotions. So, uh, what do you say we get started, Mitch? That sounds great. I guess we should maybe first of all talk about what we generally love, right? Sure. Sure the Lord, the Bible, our wife, our kids, our dogs, our work, our audience. We love you, though we haven't Mm -hmm. met you face to face. But I think, you know, we should really get down to what's important. So first of all, I love pizza. How about you, Bobby? Amen. Amen. New York pizza. None of that Chicago stuff stuff, right?
1: Yeah. No, no. I mean, as Chicago doesn't really have pizza, they have casseroles. That's right.
0: Casseroles yeah. on, on bread. But we like the, the thin, greasy stuff, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, G- Give me garlic. a nice
0: slice from uh, John's of Bleecker Street uh, or Del, Del Faro's in Brooklyn. Yeah, you, there's a line there even during the winter. Yep. I also love bagels and lox. With cream cheese, if you can get it these days, there's been a shortage of cream <laughs> right. cheese. Sadly. Yeah, on a carb-free bagel. Mm. You lost me with that. Yeah, yeah good luck. I like some sports teams. You love some
1: sports teams? I do. I do. The, uh, the Yankees, the uh, the New York
0: Giants, and the New York Knicks. Those are the three teams that kind of have a piece of my heart. I love the Mets, the Yankees, and, of course, the San Francisco 49ers. I was saved in San Francisco, Bobby. So you, you heard the song, you know, I, I lost my heart in San Francisco, left my heart in San Francisco Sure, because, sure. because I was a drug-dealing hippie for my first year in San Francisco, you know, I always like to say I left my brain in San Francisco. <laughs> but the Lord's restored what the locusts have uh, have certainly eaten. Yeah. There are a number of different terms in the Bible, of course, that are translated love. Uh, Bobby, I'm going to give you a quiz. And sure. uh, our audience, you need to participate. And uh, we won't be able to hear you shout it out. But if we did, we'd give you a free bagel. Okay? So here it is. Here's the quiz. What was the first use of the word love in the old testament so i actually
1: know the answer to this because i've heard you preach on this before well you don't get a bagel then it's in genesis 22 ah, um, with the the binding of isaac which as you know i mean this is the passage that's usually read on rosh hashanah in uh in synagogues around the world but the way it opens up is like this now it came about after these things that god tested abraham and said to him abraham and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, Wow. and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains,
0: which I will tell you. Wow. So how do you feel about the child that couldn't possibly be born because you were 99 years old? He's a miracle baby, Isaac was. And of course, in Isaac, was embedded all the hopes and promises that God made to Abraham about the people and about the land and about the future of Israel. And in many ways, Isaac is related to every Christian. He is, in many ways, a type of of Jesus, isn't he? He died on the altar. According to the rabbis, he actually really died. And then he was raised. But he's such a a picture, such a type of the Messiah, type of Christ. Abraham really loved his son. I, I think it was the last thing he ever wanted to do was to put a knife to his son. And so it's interesting that God starts talking to us about love in the context of a willingness for Abraham to sacrifice the son of his love, which can only make me surmise that God was maybe testing Abraham to see whether or not he loved him more than his own son.
1: Right. Yeah, which which would be, I mean, really important. It's, you know, testing Abraham's devotion and commitment and covenant love for God, which, uh, you know, when we continue reading throughout the biblical narrative, this is important. I mean, we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might in, in Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, which, you know, in, a, in the Jewish world, that's called the Shema, uh, which, comes from the Hebrew word for hear, hear, O Israel, Shema Yisrael, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all that you are. So Mitch, this, this word that's used in Genesis 22, uh, the Hebrew is ahava. Can you tell us what that means?
0: Ahava is really the primary Old Testament word for love. You know, there are three words in the Greek for love. There's eros, phileos, and agape. Eros is more earthly love, phileo, is brotherly love between people, human love. And agape is a more self-sacrificial love. And, and that's the way God's love is described for us, is agape. And ahava is very similar to agape. And so the love that Abram had for Isaac, at least in, in, in the view of God himself, who said, take the son of, his, of your love, was a self-sacrificing love that acts, that puts love into action. So, beginning in with the first use of the word love, love is not described as an emotion. Love is not described as a feeling. Love is described as sacrificial service on behalf of the one that you love. And so, uh, Abraham loved God, or else he was, or else why would he be willing to do what he did? And you know, he, Abraham had already had a number of experiences with God, and so. I think he knew enough about God to love God. And now here you have a choice between God and his son. And so love is always an action. It's always a sacrifice. Uh, Love is a burden, isn't it? But, you know, probably the most classic, classic understanding of love in the Bible is found in the New Testament. And Rabbi Saul, (laughs) my great Messianic Jewish hero, wrote about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You have a nice New Jersey accent. Mine's very Brooklyn. So, Bobby, maybe you could read some, ver- some of these verses for us.
1: Sure, sure. Beginning in verse 4, Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked, and it does not take into account a wrong suffered. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but instead rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes
0: all things and endures all things. Love never fails. I love that. I I just love it. And of course, the ultimate example of love was the love that God had by sending his son, the son of his love, to die for our sins. We who were undeserving, shaking our fist. At God, while at the same time his son was going to the cross. You know, it's not like we invited Jesus to do that. It's not as if we ran after God and said, Love us, love us, send your son to die for us. I mean, God loved a sinful humanity. He created us, but we turned against him, and yet he still loved us. But God commendeth. Forgive the King James, Bobby. That's the way I memorized it as a new believer. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Sinners. right, Jesus died for us. And so John 3.16 means so much more, especially when you compare it to Abram's sacrifice of Isaac. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so Abraham taught us a good lesson. He was willing to sacrifice the son of his love out of loyalty to the God who made him. And God himself was willing to sacrifice his son so that those of us who were created in his image but had fallen from that image in so many different ways could be redeemed, saved, transformed. And I think God's ultimate end in all things is love, you know, because he loved us enough to send his son to die for us. I mean, what did God get out of all this? Mm. You know, I mean, what was the result of this major sacrifice of his son? What what did he get out of it? Really, it boils down to one thing. A redeemed group of people are now loving him back. Mm. So true love leads to love. And that relationship we have with God, the relationship He wants us to have, was produced through love. And the heart of the relationship is love.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Well, our next guest struggled to become a rock star and actually found herself far from home in an abusive relationship.
0: But in the midst of her pain, God showed her His love for her. Valerie is a dear friend, and I watched uh, the Lord really transform her life because I knew her as a young believer. She's a wonderful witness for Yeshua, and I know that this testimony is going to be a blessing to you.
2: I was pretty empty. I didn't have much to give. I, I needed answers. I needed to be loved for who I was. I started reading about Judaism. God, what I must do to please him. It was really quite frustrating. What I was reading really didn't show me a picture of a very loving God, but rather a picture of a God who demanded things of me. Why would I want to enter into a relationship with a God that I could never really please I was different from my Gentile friends. I proudly wore my Jewish star. I was happy to tell my Catholic friends that I couldn't go to church with them, but in terms of really understanding what it meant to be Jewish, I really couldn't tell you, except that I wasn't supposed to believe in Jesus. At 13 years old, I went to see Led Zeppelin. I just, knew that I wanted to somehow be in rock music. I was 18, so I packed my bags and flew to London, England, thinking that I could get into a band pretty easily. Well, I got there, and life was not very easy. Bands were a dime a dozen. My boyfriend started becoming abusive, emotionally. I was lonely, I was hurting, I wasn't making friends as easily as I had hoped I would, and I found myself pretty dependent upon him. I was desperately in need of some answers. I thought that I would find the answers to the meaning of my life, the meaning of love in my religion, so I went to the library and I checked out a few of the books that were available on Judaism. I started reading about God and I read a lot about what I must do to please Him. It was really quite frustrating and disturbing to me that what I was reading really didn't show me a picture of a very loving God but rather a picture of a God who demanded things of me. I was pretty empty, I didn't have much to give. I I needed answers, I needed to be loved for who I was. I ended up just putting those books down and um, just really kind of going into a sort of depression and my relationship with this guy only got worse the abuse really just intensified at that same time my brother and my best friend started sharing with me that if i wanted to know the way of happiness if i wanted to know the truth if i wanted joy in my life and peace then I needed to turn to Jesus. Even though I wasn't a religious Jew, there was no way that I wanted to turn to this Jesus. I was a Jew and Jesus was not for the Jewish people. Things took a bad turn. My boyfriend left me and the band fired me. You know, the two most important things in my life were gone. One night after I had partied a lot, I came home to my quiet, dark apartment. I realized that I was at the lowest point I had ever felt in my life. I had a choice. I could have cry myself to sleep, or I could pick up that Bible that my brother had given me a few years earlier and start reading it. I went over to the drawer where I had stored this Bible. I opened that drawer, I pulled it out, and I started reading Matthew chapter one, the genealogy of Jesus. And I saw that Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was related to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, King David, and the list went on. I was completely blown away. I just kept reading the pages and I kept thinking, okay, if Jesus is Jewish, then I should be able to trust what these pages are saying. I saw that he loved me and that He was for me. The Spirit of God came into my room, and His presence was so thick that I felt like if I just closed my eyes and opened them, I would see God. I started to weep. A peace came upon me, a peace that I had never experienced before. I cried all night, but they weren't tears of despair. They were tears of joy that God had come and visited me that night and made it clear to me that Jesus was my Messiah, that I could trust him. The New Testament, it's a book of great love. It's a story of a man named Jesus who gave his life for mine. And I found that after I learned that about him, that I wanted nothing more than to give my life to him.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, this has been, honestly, a, a really lively discussion, I think, on love and, uh, and God's love. And real quick, I just wanted to revisit that Romans 5.8 passage that you mentioned in the King James, uh, because there's one word in the Greek there that is really important for us. Uh, and the, again, the Greek kind of brings a little bit more of the nuance of the word out. So, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. And that word demonstrates or commendeth, it's in the present tense, which means that it's ongoing. So we can read and understand this today, even 2000 years after Paul wrote these words, we can understand it as God is actively, currently, continually demonstrating his love for us in that even while we were sinners, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah died for us. And there's a lot of comfort there.
0: Yes, yes. Love doesn't expect to be love backed. You don't love to get something, you love to give something. It's an action. And so love is always best. It always shows up the brightest when you're loving something that's both undeserving and non responsive uh, in that way. Unfortunately, that was true many times in the history of Israel. And according to Jeremiah, God loved Israel with an everlasting love. But think about the book of Hosea. Think about how often Israel did not receive or respond properly to his love, and yet God continued to love. And, you know, that's my prayer for everybody on Valentine's Day, really. It's a wonderful holiday, and it's a wonderful time to reflect on God's love. And, you know, some people have kids who are just not loving them back, and some people have parents that are just not loving them back. And Sometimes people have spouses that are just not loving them back. Certainly, we know what it's like as we try and reach Jewish people in the ultra-Orthodox community in Brooklyn. It's not like they're rolling out the red carpet for us, you know. Right. It's, right. it's not that we're getting loved back. But if you're going to love with God's love, particularly on this Valentine's Day, then you have to love without looking for something back. And you can't be frustrated when you don't get the response that you want to get. So love with abandon, love with passion, love with loyalty. And I know that God is going to bless you for loving that way. And even if you're having an uneasy time with your spouse, I'm, it's wonderful talking to somebody uh, you can't see, but I might be talking to a specific individual that's just having a tough time you know, in in, in their marriage. And remember, when you initiate love, which is an agape and an ahava kind of love, in your actions. That's the way to to melt the heart of someone who might not be loving you back, that you desperately want to love you back. And so love, even if you don't feel like it. And I hope that you will love those, particularly who don't know the Lord and who might even be rejecting your witness. And so pray for your Jewish friends and neighbors. You may not get the response you want, but prayer and love really work together. They dovetail together to bring about a good response. Bobby, what are some loving actions we can take in honor of Valentine's Day?
1: Well, I think first, uh, you know, just discussing the truth that we all know, you know, and and talking about God's love for us with others who need to hear it and realizing even, you know, showing ourselves and others grace and allowing ourselves to be loved by God. Right. Uh, I would say another thing, we can also remember that If God's everlasting love for Israel ever ceased, then that would mean that we as believers have no right to claim God's unchanging love either. But because God's everlasting love for Israel is is ongoing and it's lasting forever, then we too can have that same confidence that his love for us will last forever. Amen. And then the last thing I'll mention, we can challenge our churches and our families to share God's unchanging love, his unchanging love for the Jewish people by sharing the love of Jesus with them. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry or to sign up for our monthly newsletter, which offers articles about the Messianic Jewish faith, the Jewish roots of Christianity, and also a personal letter from Mitch, just go to chosenpeople.com radio. You'll see links to our newsletter, this week's episode, and if you scroll down through the page, you'll find resources and tools
0: to help educate and equip you for sharing your faith with others this year. We sure hope that you'll, you'll get online and engage with Chosen People Ministries. We love you, and we need you, and uh, we need your prayers especially. And while you're online, be sure to visit our offer page, where you can request a copy of the 52-week devotional, The Portion based upon the Jewish cyclical readings in the synagogue. We'll send you this Bible study free of charge when you visit. So go to chosenpeople.com offer, or ask for it by calling 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A. That's 888-293-7482. And this Bible study really is a great way to go deeper and to connect more with the Jewish roots of your faith. And as a bonus, you'll be studying the same passages of Scripture each week as your fellow Messianic Jewish believers, and actually Jewish people all over the world. So if God puts someone into your life to minister to them, you'll have something to talk about. You'll just be all set. Right, Bobby?
1: That's right. And once again, to request your copy of The Portion, just visit chosenpeople.com slash offer. Or you can write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York 10022. That's 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York 10022. Well, we look forward to being with you again next week. And right now, let's wrap up our time with the ironic benediction. So here is Mitch Glazer and Misha Getz.
2: Ishmo Reha Ya Epon of Veleha V Huneca Ye Sadonai Pon of
0: May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. Beshem shel Yeshua Hamashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.